0: I'm going to begin this episode with a bit of a confession for you. Uh, Back in the day, one of my guiltiest pleasures uh, of television was the show South Park. And uh, I don't say it as though I'm ashamed or anything like that. Uh, South Park, for all intents and purposes, is one of the most brilliant, funny, and comedic shows I think I've ever seen, Uh, although I I probably wouldn't go back to it as much as I would now today. Uh, That was just the time of my life, really. But one of the reasons why I loved the show so much was it combined comedy and satire with truth telling. It had the ability to expose rather deep and complex issues with a very simple animation style. And even though I think to a passerby, they might look at the show and say, well, it's just a couple of goofballs, you know, making cardboard cutout characters, and they're not really doing anything deep or morally complex. And yet, I think anyone that would watch the show consistently would find that the producers, the writers behind the show absolutely have an agenda in mind to expose certain things and, it, and talk about sort of things that could be faux pas in the public sector if you just were to take them head on. And so that's something I'm going to be talking about in today's episode on The Writer's Lens. In my last episode, I was talking about exploring ideas and themes but in this one, I'm going to talk about exposing them. What are some of the means by which we go about exposing themes or ideas or concepts with storytelling? I'm Josh J.C. Alfalto. This is The Writer's Lens. This is episode 58 and exposing themes in narrative. Man, I'll tell you what, going back down memory lane, talking about South Park just totally you know, makes me want to scratch the itch and <laughs> open up. Some of the first few seasons and go back to that time when I was, you know, just single and watching the show on end for hours at night, uh, probably eating a Papa John's pizza and uh, among other things that could probably end in debauchery. There was a there was a time when that was OK. That was OK by my own my own personal standards. But but anyway, uh, South Park, like I said, will always hold a, a certain little space in my heart. Uh, for its sort of comedic genius, despite all the insane, uh, vulgar uh, things that it does, or, or it does in its, uh, in its animation. But anyway, not to divulge into South Park, that's a show that I will gladly dissect in a later episode. Uh, I was really debating whether or not to do this particular concept in The Narrative Wars, because I've been doing this sort of side... Episode series called the narrative wars, and I hope you've been checking those out Uh, But my main sort of theme right now the main narrative if you will that I've been going through is talking about themes and concepts ideas and as a storyteller How important those are to us that we are able to unpack them? uh, Show them to our audience show them to our readers and allow them to kind of explore and poke around with us so Moving from the exploration phase now to the exposing phase, I want to talk about what it means to be exposed because the word itself, I think, is kind of almost 80-20 in terms of negative and positive because we don't like the idea of being exposed in general. Like You wouldn't like the idea of just being exposed to the world. That, that's typically uh, not a good thing to be a part of. Uh, so when someone talks about being exposed, it's unintended or it's unintended for the person. You know, it's unexpected. I didn't know that I was going to be put on center stage, right? Or I didn't know that my intelligence or perhaps my, my ability to answer questions was, was going to be put in front of a bunch of people that could judge me for it. So exposure really deals a lot with judgment. Uh, it deals a lot with the embarrassment or the shame that could come with judgment and basically kind of an overall guilt almost. Like, I don't want people to know this about me. Right, Like, I don't want anyone to know this about me necessarily, or maybe we don't want anyone to know about X thing that's going on. And one of the hallmarks of South Park, and it doesn't have to be South Park, one of the hallmarks of comedy and satire is that through tongue-in-cheek or stand-up comedy, uh, comedians are able to talk about truths in a platform, or on a platform, I should say, that allows us to laugh at truths, Right? Uh, I, I just think of uh, some of the greatest comedians that, that I grew up watching back in the day, guys like Tim Allen, Robin Williams, and Bill Cosby. Uh, Cosby's humor, for, the, for, for what it's worth, is good uh, when he was on stage. But these guys had the ability to talk about things that may have been uncomfortable if you were to just talk about them just head on, if you were to just bring them up in conversation and say, hey, how do you feel about you know, the latest gaffe of the government? you know, or, or talk about, uh, you know, how do you feel about the latest, uh, you know, scandal that you heard about down at the, you know, XYZ company, right? Uh, so comedy has this way of presenting things that are true uh, and exposing certain things, but doing it in a, in a means by which it kind of catches us off guard. And we're fine with being caught off guard because we want to be able to laugh at it even if we disagree with it, because we ultimately do agree with it, because we know that what they're talking about is true. So keeping that in mind, as far as exposure is concerned, uh, and comedians tending to be uh, strong voices for speaking the truth, you know, how does this idea of speaking the truth apply to other areas of presentation, right? So if we're not just talking about comedians, we're not just talking about comedy and satire and, you know, sort of these public spaces that we all can kind of go, aha, you know, or or maybe we, it does make us still uncomfortable to talk about it. Are there other ways to present uh, sort of an exposed idea or an exposed situation? Well, of course there are, you know, and as, a, and as a writer, I know from watching film and reading books that, you know, authors and producers and script writers, I mean, they're doing this all the time. Okay, as much as we explore ideas, we're also exposing things. Uh, in biopics, you know, uh, autobiographies can be very exposing for the person that they're about. Uh, just recently, there was a uh, there was a, a biopic called Spotlight, which talked about some journalists. Uh, it's the true story of um, a group of journalists that basically went after the Catholic priesthood. And all the cover-ups that were going on regarding sexual abuse allegations, and the movie itself ended up kind of opening the can of worms on an issue that's been skirted under the rug. It's been tried to be hidden by the Catholic Church. Uh, and and, I, and by no means am I trying to come down hard on the Catholic Church. Okay, I'm not an anti-Catholic. I'm not you know any of those things. But what I do want to talk about is what it can do from an artistic standpoint to tell the truth through a narrative and get people's attention with it who are going to say, you know what, I didn't really know that this was going on, or maybe I already had an inkling of an idea that this was going on, and the fact that someone has now presented it to me as a story and presented the the age-old uh, protagonist and antagonist of the story, I now can relate to it. Okay, there are faces now with this you know, sometimes faceless scandal and crime that's going on, I can now uh, look at it and put some faces and names to things and maybe be driven to become a part of creating awareness, you know, for victims of sexual abuse. And it doesn't have to be necessarily inside of the priesthood. It could be anyone who was a survivor of sexual abuse. Uh, or maybe you, an individual who watched it, could watch it and go, oh, I'm not alone. Right? I'm not alone in that I was abused or something had happened to me. Uh, I thought it was just an isolated incident that uh, it could have happened to somebody else or something like that. So through autobiography, or well, you know not not that spotlight was an autobiography, but through these sort of bio pictures where we're being taken through uh, true stories from a perspective of we want to talk about an issue uh, that is obviously close to the heart of the director or the the writer whoever did it. And kind of go through this and present something that is a problem, is an issue. So so that would be the first, first means by which we see this very often. I mean, fiction can do this too. Now, it's not just true stories that are good at exposing uh, certain themes or ideas, okay? Like, you don't have to necessarily base everything on a true story. Fiction can do this also. I mean, one of my all-time favorite movies... Uh, as well from back in the day, as I'm, I'm, it's almost like a nostalgic episode for me. But Hardball with Keanu Reeves, if you've ever seen that movie, if you're any bit of a baseball fan, uh, I highly recommend this film. I mean, I love Keanu Reeves because he's Keanu; it's just awesome. <laughs> but uh, uh, this movie, Hardball, that he did years ago, uh, deals with a guy who's down and out. He's a he's a gambler. Uh, he's kind of a nobody. He's just surviving off of like pizza and beer for the most part and he ends up having to coach an inner city baseball team and obviously there's this is a story of redemption it's a story of of courage and uh, sort of heroism and you know parenting and being a good guardian and learning how to mentor i mean there's tons of great themes in this film which i think is extremely underrated but uh but hardball is great at really talking about the plight of say inner city youth And the plight of someone who's maybe stuck in a gambling or stuck in gambling debts, right? So, exposing sort of this side of life that somebody might be involved in, but giving them the inkling that yes, you can rise out of that space, that you can come out of that valley is what I love so much about Hardball because it gives this, it gives an end note that, you know what, I don't have to stay in that place. Right, I don't actually have to continue this way. I don't have to, you know, keep being this this sort of nobody who's just basically living day to day, gambling on things. Uh, I don't have any other belongings or treasures to call my own other than myself, or maybe my bookie or whoever it is. I'm always kind of in trouble, but now I've been given responsibility. Now I'm overseeing some children. Now I'm uh, being invested in something. And to me, that's, those are great themes to explore and also to expose that these are good things that we can go after. So it's a fictional story, of course, um, but it still gives that punch of, look, here's some things that, that are going on that very well could be going on right now, right? Uh, there's a scene in that movie, and then we'll move on here. There's a scene in that film where one of the one of the boys is telling Keanu, like, Coach, you know, we can't practice past dark because uh, otherwise it's it's not good for me to get home. And there's just this very kind of sad and, and just very uh, sort of heart-wrenching scene where the boy is trying to get home, and it's after dark, and he's just trying to get to his apartment, and he's by himself, and he ends up getting mugged by a couple of older kids, and he's beat up, essentially. And uh, it's one of those sort of watershed moments for Keanu's character where he goes, you know what? I need to really pay attention to this. I I can't be so flippant with uh, my duties as a coach. Otherwise, these kids are going to pay the penalty for that. So that's just in fiction in general. Now, science fiction, of course, is a whole other ballpark and is one that I thoroughly enjoy, being a sci-fi guy. But as far as exposing ideas, okay, yes, you could do the same thing like we did in Hardball and talk about, uh, you know, a person that needs to move out of a, of a difficult valley or, or, or being in the weeds where they are. But sci-fi is a little bit different because we're always dealing with technology, right? We're always dealing with some sort of new tech or some futuristic gadget that's now uh, aiding or uh, causing problems for humanity. So in science fiction, I think one of the things that has to be done properly is to talk about the nasty side of that tech. Something that comes from the technology that totally throws everything else into a kink or a, or a problem and forces humans to make really, really bad choices. I always go back to Blade Runner 2049, which is one of my favorite films now, and this idea of the replicants and manufacturing human beings that live four to five or six years. And you know they have super strength. They're, they're embedded with the memories of some random person. Uh, they all have similar stories. Uh, to make them function in society, and of course, of course, they want their freedom, you know, of course, they, they want to be treated as equals, of course, they don't want to just be these sort of moist robots walking around, and that works, because we as human beings know that we want our freedom, right, and so to make something, scary thought, in our own image, that Spirit of rebellion, if you will, that spirit of wanting to have freedom is going to be passed on into our creations as well. In this, in this concept, in this sci-fi story. So yes, science fiction can do it too. In horror, you see it done. Okay, Jaws, for instance, uh, for instance, big-time blockbuster, probably the original summer blockbuster, uh, the movie Jaws, uh, talking about fear you know, preying on our fears, the, the fear of being in deep water, the fear of being eaten alive, okay, exposing the fact that as as people out on the sea, you know, we, we can't always prepare for everything, right? We can't always prepare for everything. Things could go sideways very quickly, and we don't all know what's underneath those waves. You know, I was just uh, talking with my brother-in-law a couple weeks ago, and he and I have very similar Similar opinions about the open deep ocean, okay? Uh, what is down there? What is down there that we've never seen before? What is down there that could eat you? okay? there's there's so much in the deep, deep ocean that we have not seen, that we have not covered, that we don't know what's there. It's it's almost like visiting a foreign planet in the deepest parts of our of our own earth, seas and oceans. And he and I both agree that uh, going down there would be exhilarating in some sense, but I don't want to do it by myself. Like I would, n- I would never want to be exposed down there at the bottom of the ocean. So Jaws did this. Okay, Jaws was able to do this, exposing our fear of an animal that we just can't control, an animal that we can't, uh, you know, dictate or reason with. So, so in horror you'll see it. But like any of these things, and we could go on, and on in a lot of different genres and be a little more specific like anything that that deals in the exposing of an idea or a concept or a theme and making it known to the masses that, hey, this has been going on for a long time and now I'm bringing you into it, Uh, everything will work so long as it's both genuine and authentic because once you start inserting separate agendas, uh, I don't think that it eventually, well, I will not say eventually, I don't think that it will have inevitably a, uh, an appeal with a general audience. Because the general audience is out walking around, experiencing reality, experiencing real life. They're out doing things. They're not just living in fantasy worlds yet. Okay, we're not living in the simulation of the matrix, which could be a whole other episode I could go down, go down the rabbit hole on. But these kinds of things have to be genuine. They have to be authentic. They have to be somewhat agreed upon that these are truths that we see every day. I'm not saying they have to be stereotypes, but they they have to be truthful to more than just the creative person who's making it. Okay, so again, this kind of gets back to the old question of, is all art subjective? Yes, in some sense it is. Can it be objectively good? Well, that's, that's a bit of a tricky question, but despite it being subjective to the artist, the appeal that it has to other people and the value you can place on that art on the on the story on the film on the you know painting whatever it is it's ultimately up to the audience it's ultimately up to the person that is encountering it for the first time but if it feels authentic if it feels genuine and that person can relate to it you've you've created that connection right from as an artist or a writer as a painter you've you've created that connection from yourself to this other person, and I'll throw it out there as, as a musician as well. Okay, I don't want to. I, I know I have some musicians that listen to this podcast, so I don't want to leave you guys out. So I apologize for not for not throwing you in earlier. Uh, but but that's the point: is being genuine and authentic is something that we as listeners, we as readers, uh, we as uh, as seers and uh, sort of the judges, if you will, getting back to this idea of judgment, the ones who will judge the art who will judge the story. If we don't see it as being genuine or authentic, we don't feel that, then we're not going to resonate with it. We're just not going to resonate with it. Um, I think of testimonials, right? Uh, Testimonials that people give and whether or not they're being genuine or authentic in them. I mean, myself, I mean, most of my listeners know by now that I'm a Christian and I have a testimonial. You know, I have a testimonial of of coming to faith. And uh, if I share that with someone... My desire is to be as genuine and authentic as possible because there's power in that authenticity. There's power in me being able to sort of bear myself in some sense, being vulnerable, okay, being vulnerable about this, exposing this part of myself so that the person who's hearing me can can A, relate, and B, see it as being believable that this actually did happen, that this series of events that I am sharing with the listener actually did come to pass. Uh, so this is what is becoming such a, uh, such a hot topic in our culture right now. And I, and I don't want to unpack this too much just for this episode because I feel like it's something I'd, I'd love to dialogue with, with other folks, uh, who would come on here, uh, on this podcast or, or just anyone in general, but we've seen a major shift in film and, and books, Especially where there's more than just authentic story taking place, there's almost this agenda that comes along with the story, right? And it's a clashing of worldviews. And I and I and I allude to this in my narrative war series. How you know what is it that actually shapes a person's worldview? You know, it's experiences, yes, and it's also what you read, what you ingest. Uh, that ultimately sets up your worldview, but. What also shapes your worldview is the challenges that you face from other people's worldviews. When people challenge you on what you think you believe. Uh, so it's a very tricky space because when art is trying to push an agenda, which you might say is propaganda, right? Like I'm in, in, trying to enforce this thought down, your, down into your brain and into your gullet. Um, when that starts to happen, what do you say about the art? What do you say about the story? I mean, it's no longer authentic. It's no longer genuine. We are now being subjected to the artist's rendition of what they think things should be like. This is my agenda. This is what I want to make normative. This is what I want to make something that people will be accepting of. And not only will they be accepting of it, they will endorse and like I said, I, I don't want to get into too much specifics on this, but, but it, you don't have to peruse YouTube or other podcasts for very long to see that there, there really is a lot of division going on as far as uh, worldviews clashing in our film and our TV and our, our media and in, 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 in books. And some of it, I think, is actually very healthy because it's really pinging the spirit of the culture And I think pinging a lot of people that want to talk about very uh, virtuous themes, making them want to come out of the woodwork and maybe feel compelled to write about certain principles. I mean, me, myself, you know, again, being a Christian, there are certain things as a Christian, you know, I want to see endorsed in stories. And there are certain things I don't want to see endorsed in stories, and and I won't resonate with it because, you know, again, because of my worldview, because of my belief. Again, if you're not a Christian and you're listening to this, Uh, that's okay, but that's just reality. You know, when you have a creative filter or lens and you want to talk about these themes or ideas or, or whatever it is that you feel is important, you're going to put it through your lens. You're going to put it through your filter. And I see that happening a lot right now. You know, I see that a lot happening where the idea of exposing an idea is becoming more like enforcing an idea. And I'm going to leave it at that for now because my next episode will be entirely about exalting ideas. Like, what does it look like when we glorify certain themes and certain ideas? Like, what does that look like from a storytelling standpoint? Because, because I think story is embedded in human communication. It's been embedded in us from the very beginning of time since, if I may, from my, again, my my worldview, since the day Adam and Eve we're hanging around the garden okay walking around and you know you know plowing the fields and and uh, tending the garden and doing all those other things they were supposed to be doing until they ate that fruit we are wired for storytelling we are wired for narratives and explaining to to another person a series of events that's it's just part of us it's who we are as as human beings and and uh and that is something that I'm going to Unpack a bit more in the next episode, talking about when we do share stories. What is it, exactly is it that we're glorifying? How are we exalting them? So, I hope you can tune in for that one. Again, this is a this is kind of an overlay of a of a probably a much deeper concept that we could go into. But uh, again, I, I think it's something also that I'd love to dialogue with some others i mean there's a few few gents in my creative group here in cleveland that i might bring on for some episodes here in the near future so i'm super pumped about that cuz i got a i got a big series that i'm going to be kicking off after i get done with this one about exploring uh, exposing and exalting ideas i think you guys are going to love it it's 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 going to be full on analysis of story and theme and and i'm i'm super pumped about it so i know you guys will be too i know you guys will be too trust me so so if I haven't sold you on that enough, uh, I look forward to catching up with you guys in, um, I don't know, in a week's time or so. And I'll leave this as an encouragement for you, listener. If you are someone that has a testimonial or has a story that needs to be heard and you want to talk about uh, exposing something, then maybe now is the time. Maybe now you've been through it. Maybe now you're, you're able to go back and retrace it, not dwell in that space, whatever it might be. Or maybe it's a friend's story that you're willing to tell. Okay, this is my encouragement to you now to consider doing that uh, because there are others that have been doing it and uh, there's blueprints out there for doing it. Uh, again, I want to be of an encouragement to you if you're someone that feels like maybe that's my voice, maybe that's what I'm meant to do. Maybe you're an, a comedian waiting to happen uh, who can tell the story with tongue-in-cheek or you're going to build you know, sort of tiny cartoonist characters like uh, the uh, creators of South Park. I don't know, all right? I don't know. But I, but I do want to be a bit of an of an encouragement here at the end of this episode uh, for that. So, so until next week, guys. This is Josh JCL filter for the Writer's Lens. I will catch up with you guys again soon.